0: well then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. When developing a training plan, it's important to keep in mind the variables of stress that are at play. There is an art to building a training plan for each individual athlete. It's almost like a puzzle that you have to solve when you are creating that training plan. You can't have too much stress, but you wanna make sure that you stress the right variables that are going to lead to the right results, which is the specific income outcome that you hope to have. The variables are at play are the long run, mileage, workouts, racing, and so many more factors. In addition, to the training. The stress variables, each athletes have different stress factors in their life, such as work, kids, school, and health. All of these things need to be taken into consideration when we are developing your training plan. So today we are going to be doing a deep dive into these stress variables and giving advice for getting the most out of your training while managing all of these stress variables. And today I have with me Jason Phillippe, who is the head cross country and distance track coach at the University of Wisconsin River Falls. He is also a coach here at run for prs Coaching. So he works with athletes from the one mile race all the way up to the marathon and ultra marathon distances. So Jason, first starting out, how do you assess an athlete's stress variables when they first come to you?
1: Yeah, I think uh, at run for prs we have them fill out this coaching questionnaire and that gives us a really good background. Um, and understanding of you know their goals what they're trying to accomplish but also taking a deep dive and looking at their uh, running history so we ask probably about five to eight questions about um, how long they've been running what are their personal best times you know any races they've done in the past few few months or year um, average number of miles per week that sort of thing their longest run just to really get a good idea of of what you know, what sorts of stress and demands they've been placing on their body. And then also, as we start to look at their goals, kind of looking at do the two add up or what can we do to kind of bridge that gap to get them there? Um, we also look at their their mental aspects of running. So we ask them what they think their greatest strengths and weaknesses are as a runner and any obstacles that they have. And I think that just helps us kind of get insight as to, the, you know, their thoughts about their running and how we can better support them and really just help them, um, stay consistent because I think that's the key is, you know, having the stress be consistent um, week in, week out, make sure we're offering those cut back weeks so that people aren't feeling burnt out and they're not ending up getting injured.
0: Right. So you don't want to add on too much stress all at once. Like, how do you make sure that you're balancing it for each individual? Um, you know, when you get some people that come to you, you know, 10 miles a week versus 30 miles a week, they're running. Um, but they have the same goal race in mind. Like, how do you get them to kind of the same level or do you even need to do that? Um, cause you know comparison can kind of come into play there. How do you make sure that, you know, each athlete is managing their stress level appropriately?
1: Yeah, for me, it's all about looking at the duration and the intensity of the runs that they've been doing recently um, and building them up slowly over time. So we don't want to, just because someone's training for the same race and they may even have a similar goal time, uh, but their training could have looked drastically different from one another. So we're going to progress, you know, the person that's done less at a slower rate and we may have fewer workouts, we may have shorter workouts. So it's really just about kind of meeting them where they're at and then slowly building and adding you know, a new stress variable each week. Maybe it's starting with um, just some tempo running, maybe some marathon pace work before we get into some threshold or some faster work.
0: Right. Yeah. So I know that you mentioned kind of introducing one stress variable at a time. Like, So if someone's coming to you, do you add long runs, workouts, and mileage all at once? Or how do you keep the factors at play there so that you're not overdoing the stress because i know most training plans i mean they start out with a long run and workouts is that something you do i know some coaches they like to build mileage first um how do you what's like the right way to build stress or is there like more than one right way
1: yeah i think there's several ways it's going to depend on a lot of factors like when is the race um you know how much time you do have to prepare them but also what have they done those last few weeks and then making sure that you know you're not doing too much at once as far as the workouts and the mileage increasing together so I like to start off with a solid base but I'll, I'll throw in maybe a, a shorter workout just so that they feel like they're getting something fun and different mixing up a different you know part of their their workout into their routine maybe adding strides in just having them start with that so that they're again getting that turnover um, but I think it's really going to depend on the athlete and time frame that we're working with.
0: Right. Yeah. I love how you mentioned the strides and doing short workouts that maybe aren't as stressful on the body. Like you might start, you know, your sessions with some, some fart licks. And then as you get more progressively towards your goal race, um, we get to more specific workouts, longer thresholds, all of those things. But again, this kind of goes back to the progressive overload principle podcast that we did, where we talked about, why it's important to start where you are and then increase the stress variables from there. And so this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about what those stress variables are and how to kind of manage them. So um, how, So, we don't want to increase more than one stress variable at a time. Um, what is normally the first one? Like if someone's training for a marathon, what's the first stress variable that you're going to look at to build?
1: probably just overall mileage. So looking at the number of days per week that they've been running and maybe trying to increase that or just um, slowly build on the distance of their runs. You know, if they're running three or four miles at a time, maybe starting them at five, just getting them a little extra mileage. Um, and then, yeah, once they, once that we've, we've had a couple weeks of that, of that building, then we can start to see, you know, are they ready to add something else? And we want to make sure that they can handle it and we don't have any setbacks.
0: Right. Yeah. And of course it depends from athlete to athlete. You know, you have some people that come to you, their mileage uh, is already pretty high, but they need to work on um, spreading it out in a different way during the week. So, you know, if you're running eight miles every single day and you want to train for a marathon, then we might be doing, you know, one rest day and adding a long run on the weekend. Um, It's all about how you are currently training and then Changing the stress variables to get to what we want it to look like at the end result. So every single person who's going to come through the door is going to look different. Um, You know, if you're training for a marathon or half marathon, this is your first time. Consistency is going to be number one. You're going to want to add more runs per week, most likely. Um, It's all about time on your feet, building the mileage, building that aerobic base, um, and then going into you know, maybe that's increasing the long run. And then the last and final thing I think we usually do is add in the more intense workouts. And I think there is a big underestimation that is out there, um, on how important it is just to build the consistency of mileage, um, before doing workouts. So at what level do you think that the workouts come more into play and become a more important part of training?
1: I'd say probably during the second or third month, once you've kind of established a foundation. Um, at first, you know, it's hard. Unless, a, unless an athlete's done a recent race result, it's really hard to gauge where their fitness is if we're not having them do a time trial. So I might prescribe like a percentage of effort for a certain workout as opposed to a pace range, just so that they are more in control of, of trying to exert a certain you know percentage of their effort. And then um, I think after a few months, though, we, we can really start to um, you know, get creative with the workouts and, and go from there.
0: Well, I mean, more so like a new runner to the sport, they don't necessarily need to be doing workouts. You know, it's right. all about easy runs, mileage, building you up at what point and what level of athlete does it become important and those workouts become really what we're focusing on as that stress variable? Because you reach a point where more mileage isn't necessarily going to be better, right? So you have to work at other variables. And so what point, what level of athlete do you typically find um, where it becomes more important to focus on the workouts rather than building the mileage? Um, Or when does that kind of intersect? Like you get the same benefit.
1: I mean, I guess... We always have athletes indicate if they're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced athlete. So I would say at the point where they feel like they're intermediate. So they've done a few races. You know, They've strung together some some decent mileage runs at a, at a consistent pace. And once they can do, you know, let's say, four or five miles at the same pace, then we can start to see, okay, if they run five miles at nine-minute pace, let's try to throw in one mile at about eight or eight, 15, somewhere in that range, and see if they can hit it. And then just slowly build workouts based on that, based on their... The outcome of that workout. So, just kind of doing, you know, fun ways to assess kind of where they're at, and then we can go from there.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, you know, just going back to what the different variables are we got the long run, the mileage, and the workouts. Um, And like we said, you know, it's all about building that aerobic base. It should be all about building the solid mileage foundation, building that long run. And then the last thing is the workouts. And I think oftentimes there's a misconception that. There's a certain workout that's going to get you faster. There's the one magic key workout that's really going to propel you to the next level. There's an overemphasis on workouts. Um, what percentage of your weekly mileage should be workouts,
1: Jason? If you're a new runner, I would say less than 10%. And then if you're you know, somewhat experienced, you've been doing it for a while, you've, you've done your fair share of races, then we can do about 20% of your workouts. But again, that doesn't mean that they all need to be the same type of workout. So we don't always need to do speed or we don't always need to do um, lactate threshold runs. You know, we can mix in some hills, some strengthening, some um, steady state marathon pace work. We could throw in strides, we could do um, speed. It just really depends. And I think that, you know, working all those systems is kind of the way that we can start to improve as, a, as a overall as a runner.
0: Right, yeah, so I think that's really important to note. You know, you said if you're a beginner runner, of your weekly mileage as workouts. And if you're only running 10, 15 miles a week, that's one to one and a half miles maximum. So it's really important for anyone listening to this to understand like the power of consistency and just building that strong aerobic base. And I know that it can be a little bit boring. Um, You know, if you see a training plan and most of it's easy mileage, maybe you got some strides here, some strides there, Uh, but you kind of get into the more advanced stuff. Like we don't, we want to, uh, crawl before we can rock, walk, right? Like it, it's really important to progressively go into this and make sure we're doing it correctly. Um, cause once you have that strong mileage foundation, that's when you can really start to do some fun stuff. So I guess another question that kind of plays into that for people who are listening, you know, maybe they're beginners, maybe they've been running for a couple of years. Does your background make a difference? So like, let's say you ran in high school and college and now you're coming back into it at 30 years old or let's say you were a competitive swimmer for like 10 years and now you're just getting into running do you think that it makes a difference for those people like do you think that maybe they are able to increase their stress load a little bit more versus someone who has been inactive their entire life Um, how does that come into play when you're coaching someone
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there's a difference. So when we think about riding a bike and you learn to ride a bike, you never forget, really. It's muscle memory that's ingrained. And so if you grew up running and then you took a bunch of time off, let's say 10 years, and you want to get back to it, um, your body's going to remember what to do and everything. And it's going to remember like the stress load, but you're going to have to still progress slowly to make sure that your muscles, your tendons, your joints and all that don't take on too much too quick and then get sore and keep you from running. So um, well, I think that those people who have been more active, you know, as a young adult, is if they start training, they can probably handle a bit more added stressors at once as opposed to new people to the sport who have never really been that active. We're really going to want to progress them more at a slower rate. Um, and then kind of looking at, you know, the next, what are the goals? The short. I always think about short-term and long-term goals because that way it kind of can paint the picture and drive us forward and, and be you know be real about what the expectations are right now um so yeah as far as like a swimmer i think you know and i've coached some some college athletes who have never really ran before but because they've established such a strong aerobic foundation with swimming um you know the problem is not with their lungs that that are getting them tired during workouts it's it's pretty much their legs and so we're doing more strength training we're doing some biking the mileage is, is just a little bit less um for that particular athlete But as far as, you know, the workouts go, we're still trying to get pretty close to the same amount of workouts in.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. So you still have to, you know, go cautiously using the progressive overload principle. But what we might find is that people who have an athletic background in fitness and have that background are going to have – perhaps an advantage where they can have a higher stress tolerance because their body has undergone stress in the past and it's a response to that stress. They Their body has learned how to adapt quicker. Um, just like, you know, someone like Jason or myself who've been running for a very long time without any time off, um, the stress that our bodies can manage on just the day-to-day basis of workouts is going to look a lot different than someone who just started running one or two years ago. Um, and that's only because your body develops as a response to all of these stresses. So it's just really important to understand that you know just because you see someone else training a certain way doesn't mean that that's going to work out for you. Uh, again this kind of goes back to the progressive overload principle but again it also ties into you know the stress load like how much stress can your body handle and I think it also dives into you know other parts. There's some people who might be just as fast as you and you you might be training with them, but you know they they have four kids and they work on their feet all day um, that is going to impact their training versus someone who Um, maybe works part-time and doesn't have a lot of other responsibilities outside of themselves. Maybe they're just a single person and they can really focus a lot of energy on running. Um, So it's it's just you have to think about those things and think about how that's going to play into your recovery portion of your running. So if you're not getting adequate recovery, we have to make sure that that's balanced by not having – a. overabundance of stress. So that's something that's also in a play. Um, So I guess keeping all of those things in mind when it comes to increasing that stress load, that's always what people want to do, right? They always want to increase their mileage. They always want to do more workouts. They always want to reach that next level. And they think that adding the extra stress is going to lead to that next level, which is often the case, but sometimes it's not. So how do you know when it's time to increase the stress load and how do you know which one to
1: increase? That's a really complex question. I think it's layered with so many different answers. Uh, For me, I'm thinking about, um, so if I'm working with athletes year-round, like college athletes, for example, because I get to see them and develop them over time, I think about the big picture of developing them year after year and just building upon each year from freshman till senior year. So um, it's kind of like that, I guess, with adults too, you know, with we slowly are going to have mi- very minimal stress increases from week to week, you know, as far as like mileage goes, or maybe the workouts get a little bit harder. But as far as like, we're talking significant changes, I'm I'm going to say like after a training block is over and then we recover from that block and then we start focusing on a different block. So maybe we go from half marathon to marathon um, or vice versa. So I think that the, the answer for most of us is going to be after a few consistent months uh, before we really start to do something drastically different with our training, like, you know, increase the the duration and the, you know, the distance of our tempo runs, for example, or increase our mileage by more than like 10%.
0: Right. So I think when it comes down to increasing your stress variables within a training block, like on a micro level, um, the, the common rule is such that you're not supposed to increase your weekly mileage by more than 10% per week. And I think that's like a limit, right? Like we don't want to do more than that. It's not the guideline for let's increase your mileage by 10% every week. Um, Sometimes there are athletes who reach a certain sweet spot within their training where adding more mileage actually is no longer beneficial. Um, And we've kind of talked about this before on podcasts about burnout and overtraining and all that stuff. Um, It's really important to balance that stress so if you 're at a point where you know adding more mileage, you, you just might it just might not be worth it for you, so there you might never add more mileage. You might reach a point in your training where it doesn 't make sense and I think a lot of athletes never reach that point um, you 'd have to be at a pretty high level in my opinion to kind of get there, but even within a training block like let 's say you 're training for your first marathon we 're not just going to go exponential with the mileage we 're not every week the goal isn 't let 's do ten percent more every single week forever and ever and ever. Um, You have to just keep into consideration, how is the athlete responding to this stress, right? So not everyone's going to have that same response because not everyone's body is able to handle the same amount of stress. And there are so many variables that go into this. And so that's why Jason said, well, it's kind of a loaded question. And it really is. There's so many things that go on. Um, There's no magic formulas involved. There's no real like hard set way um just thinking about the athlete as an individual what sort of life stresses do they have what is their history i think history is very important because it tends to repeat itself if there's not a change um so if you have a history of injury once you kind of hit a certain mileage or if you do too many speed workouts or this or that these are really important things to know about yourself as an individual and i think if athletes can take a little bit more time to reflect on what has worked for them and what hasn't worked for them and looking back um And seeing patterns, these are things that can help you moving forward to understand your body more and how your body handles the stress. Because for some people, increasing your weekly mileage by five miles per week is literally nothing. But for that same individual, if you were to add five miles a week of like an extra onto their long run, it could be enough to send them over the edge. Whereas another person is like, you could increase their long run by five miles and it would be nothing for them, but then increase, you know, give them one extra speed workout and they they're injured. So it's just really important to understand that not everyone's body, like some people have stress variables that are easier to handle than others. Um, everyone's body is going to have a different preference. Some people's bodies like thrive off of doing speed work, thrive off of running high mileage. Some people love to have that weekly long run. Other people like can't handle as, as long of long runs or as much long run. So it's important to establish your training where it is going to make sense for you and understanding that each body responds to stress differently. And I think that's actually an interesting statement just saying each body responds to stress differently because even in the real world, that's the same case. Um, and you'll see the breakdown in people differently too. So I guess uh, one of the next questions this leads into is, you know, you have this training cycle, you have the training plan right in front of you. And one of the big things that we do here at Run for PRs is we like to develop things on a month to month um, schedule, or I don't like to do more than like eight weeks of training at a time, just because there's so many things that can happen within a training cycle, kind of like you said where we, it's better to monitor, assess, and adjust as we go rather than have this big blueprint of what the training plan is because, like we were saying, each person responds to the stress differently. So it's really important to have a plan that is catered to you and that can go at the rate that you're going at. So if someone is to miss a workout, like let's say they were sick, injured, or maybe they just missed it because they weren't feeling like running that day, Um, does that impact their training cycle? How does that impact their training stress for the rest of the week?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to depend on kind of the reason for missing the workout. You know, if it was a time thing and they, you know, it's not, has anything to do with being sick or whatever, their body could probably handle making up some form of a workout later in the week. But if it's due to like a sickness or an injury, then obviously we want to progress them back slowly and appropriately. So, I think, like Victoria said, making those adjustments is really, really important Um, and not focusing so much on, you know, what we missed or the mileage number that it needs to be for the week, but more about like, okay, well, we're just going to start from now and and look ahead the next like five to seven days. And what can we do to get you back on track so that, you know, your stress is manageable? Um, And I've made tons of adjustments where, and I'm sure we're going to get into this when we start talking about long runs, but, you know, the schedule for, for people's workouts and long runs you have to at some point as a coach make a decision like what's going to give them the best um the best workout for the week and we're not going to try to squeeze two things in we're not going to try to squeeze a workout and a long run in so maybe you adjust the long run make it shorter maybe we just do the workout and replace it the long run and so i think being flexible and um you know just just kind of going with with the variables of from week to week and seeing what what is there that we need to make a change to so that the athlete can Um, kind of get back on track but really feel feel confident that they didn't lose any fitness
0: right yeah I think one of the most common questions coaches probably get is what what will happen if I miss this workout or you know I'm getting sick I don't want to lose fitness all those sort of things so like you said I like how you dissected it so there's two reasons why someone would miss a workout the first one being like a physical reason, like their body, they're getting sick, they're injured, there's something going on. And I think in that case, the body of that person is already undergoing stress. And so, what we need, you should look at as an athlete and as a coach, if you're listening, is how can we make sure that that stress is going to be minimized so that they can continue on this plan and their body can therefore handle additional stress further down the road? Because if someone is sick, like if they have the flu, I mean, you're going to be, you're going to be out for a week. And so you got to make sure you're not overloading the body with stress. Cause if you think of something like flu, I think high, high stress. So we got to get rid of all like the running for a few days so that the body can become healthy again. Cause the number one priority is health. And you know, if someone, same thing with like, if someone has a calf flare up where it's like, Oh, it really hurts my calf as a coach or as an athlete, you should think, all right, that's a very, that's a stress event. My body's under stress. So I need to kind of eliminate some of the stress of this workload this week so that my body can heal that. Um, So it's all about stress management. So, you know, if you're physically injured or sick, that is a stress and you need to figure out how you can adjust your plan to make sure your body can heal from that because that's going to be your number one priority. Whereas if someone just misses a workout, maybe because they were busy with school or work, I'm not doubting that like your life isn't super stressful. But what I'm saying is you are healthy, even though work is stressful, or even though, you know, you got in a fight with someone or whatever it is like emotionally going on. Um, yes, that is stress. And so maybe we just figure, all right, we can skip this workout, but you have to be the judge of that. You know, there's a lot of events that can happen within your life where it can be super stressful. I mean, like, let's say, your spouse gets diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. That's like life change. Like you might be undergoing a ton of stress. So it might make sense to just like scrap the workout obviously, but like Let's just say you had a stressful day at work and you just don't feel like running. You want to veg out on the couch. Like these are two opposite ends of the spectrum, I think, but they're both reasons why people have, you know, decided not to do a workout in the past. And I think, you know, only you can be the judge of how you're feeling and how this is going to impact you. And so, you know, for those stressful days at work where it's not really like a huge deal, um, and you miss a workout. I would be an advocate of, okay, like, let's see if we can make this up. Like, yeah, you skipped one day, but you know, tomorrow's an easy run day. So let's, let's get your workout on the calendar for that day. And maybe since you added an extra rest day this week, maybe we're going to up some mileage on some other days just to make sure we're, we're kind of balanced there. Because sometimes when we have those stressful days from work and we think we're really stressed out, all we just want is like that little rest and recovery. And so we're actually giving ourselves hope more rest and recovery than maybe like we necessarily would have in a regular week or whatever that is. So I think it's important to understand there is a fine line between kind of taking the easy road and then actually things that pop up that are high high stress and needing to recover from. Um cuz I know I've worked with people in the past where motivation can be an issue to get some workouts done and it's it's almost always like can we shuffle some things around? Um, or just skipped workouts in general. I think it's just really important to have the consistency in place if possible um, and finding just something that works with your schedule. You know, if, if you can only commit to three or four days a week, I think that's it's better to be more open and honest with yourself up front than constantly scrambling to, oh, I really want to do, like, I'm committed, I really want to do six days, but every time falling short, because you're actually going to feel better about accomplishing um, what you have every single week, if, if you can just commit to those three days a week, rather than have six days on the calendar, only do two or three, it just makes you feel worse for yourself, I feel like it actually stresses you out even more, so these are all just important things to kind of think about and know in your own training, um, and there's, like, kind of a mental aspect at play there. Um So in terms of you, Jason, have you ever worked with someone who, you know, they have like a really stressful job. I know you used to be a teacher working on your feet. Did that ever impact your training or how do you recommend like people kind of juggle the training aspect with like the rest of their life? Because, you know, teaching, being a dad, like doing extracurriculars, all these things. Do you think that that really has a big impact or is it just more of like a minor thing that you would just need to come to consideration about?
1: Well, I mean, this opens up a whole new can of worms. I I guess there's so many variables in a day, right, that we all have to deal with. And every athlete's going to be different. Some weeks are going to be better than others. Um, At some point, I think the reason athletes are kind of putting running on the back burner is just because you know, they feel like they would have to sacrifice something, right? Whether that's time with their family or sleep is usually probably one of the biggest things we'd have to sacrifice, or maybe it is like work. Maybe a lot of us are working at home just to kind of get ahead. And, you know, if you're a teacher, you're probably spending a lot of time um, in your classroom or after school grading and all that. So I think that figuring out, you know, your, your schedule and it may change from week to week. So this is where I think having a, you know, being flexible with your plan and maybe having a coach to help you identify areas for adjusting is important. So, you know, maybe picking, let's say you're going to rest two days a week. And obviously you probably want to put those days during the the work week, just because your, your day's already jam packed. So if you'll have those two days already, um, penciled in as rest days, and you only have to figure out how am I going to fit in my workouts three of those other days, you know, and then you can do stuff on the weekends as well. Um, but I think that figuring out the time is really huge. I know when I was a teacher and I you know, I was just finding out that it was getting to be too late to run after work. And then it got in, it kind of messed up with my whole like dinner and family time and stuff. So I eventually just committed to the idea of waking up in the morning, running at 5am. So planning ahead, I think is really important. Like I just talked to another teacher friend yesterday about this. Cause she said, I need to get back into running, but I'm working three jobs right now. And I just don't, can't find the time. And I said, well, just just remember, it's just 45 minutes. That's all you have to figure out is how to fit in 45 minutes, maybe five days a week or four days a week to start. And really just helping them plan. And I told her what I did when I was a teacher and it was basically allowing myself 15 minutes in the morning from the second I woke up to uh, go to the bathroom, get a drink of water, eat something small. I'd lay out all my clothes the night before. I would, you know, I'd have my caffeine gum ready to go. I did what it would take so that I felt like when the alarm went off, there was no excuse because, you know, you're already awake. So now just roll off the bed and do your thing. And, you know, once you're in your run, you're going to feel better about it. I don't think we've ever finished a run and regretted doing it. So it's kind of a mindset change. It's, you know, obviously there's so many things that we can do to try to get us motivated. Um, putting a race on the calendar can help. Um, I think reminding yourself of your goals in the near future is going to help you, you know, just get the run in every day. But the biggest thing is just figuring out a plan and a routine that's going to be manageable for you and not trying to do too much.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that they kind of took a tangent there on like motivation and how to, how to stay motivated. And I think there can be a fine line between, am I overstressed? And is my body going to start breaking down? Is this too much versus, well, I'll just call it being overstressed and use that kind of more as an excuse. Um, so I definitely think there's kind of some gray area there and what you were saying, like establishing a routine and things that you can do to kind of get yourself on the right path to being consistent. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's important to address like maybe the differences and what a sign of maybe doing too much might be. Cause I, I definitely have the tendency to, to do too much um, at times. I like to push my body to the limit, which is not exactly a good thing, but I just, because I have experienced doing too much and unfortunately been in this situation before, I kind of no red flags to look out for. So for me, um, of course, motivation will be low in either one of these scenarios, but I think if you are really doing too much and you're putting too much stress on your body, It's either going to lead to like an injury or you're going to get sick, Um, immune system problems where it's like sick after sick after sick, just inability to stay healthy. Um, Same goes for an injury. You might get like reoccurring injuries or you might get like different things flaring up all the time. Um, You might also see like a lot of inconsistency with training because of having to take time off or little things that pop up with the injuries or the illnesses um, but I think one thing to look at, you know, when it comes down to, is this too much stress? Like, are the, are the, is, how do I manage all the stress of life and training? Cause it is a lot. I mean, if you look at what, you know, you need to do to qualify for Boston or that sort of training plan, like year after year, week after week, like how many miles you have to run and all the workouts that you have to do. I mean, if, if someone were to go on my training peaks and literally just like scroll back for the last five years I think it would be really, it's just a lot. It's a lot of miles. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot to ask your body to do. And I think the number one thing that we can do as athletes is to make sure that we're providing an environment where we're going to be able to have the best success. Because I know what you were saying, it almost sounded like miserable. You know, you wake up at five, you have 15 minutes to get ready. And some people were like, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. But the thing is we all have twenty four hours in the day, and it's about like finding a routine and a balance for you. Um, I think you know a big common thing that a lot of people are talking about nowadays is screen time and how much time are you spending doing other things like if you can't make out forty five or thirty minutes to do your exercise and your physical fitness every day um what are you doing instead? Like, where is your time going? You know, I understand that everyone has busy lives and some people have jobs where you're working 12 hour days and it's just very exhausting. And you have family, you have kids at home, like totally get it. But at the same time, like, where are we putting, um, the rest of our time? Like we all get the 24 hours. So you know, you're, you're sleeping eight hours, you're at work 12 hours. Okay. Like what, what's happening there. And oftentimes you can go into your app on your smartphone and it'll tell you how much screen time you have. And I mean, if you have more than an hour of screen time a day, I'd venture to say like, okay, what are you looking at on there? And can we use that time to, for your physical fitness instead of, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, are you ever turning the TV on? Are you reading a book? Like these sort of things, like I just would break down what you're doing in a day um, and ask yourself, like, are these activities adding stress or subtracting stress? Because chances are, sitting on your phone for two hours a day uh, on social media sites or whatever you're doing, checking your emails, all that stuff, those are, they make you maybe feel good in the moment because a lot of it's like the dopamine that's coming out. Like every time you get a notification, it's like, oh, it's super exciting and you think you're being productive, but you're really not. Um, And I think, Making sure that physical fitness remains a priority in your life is super important. And it can often feel hard when we feel like we don't have time and we feel like our lives are out of control, but everyone can find a way to make this a priority um, if their health and their fitness is important to them. And just figuring out at first, for me it was all about how can I just like get into the routine of even if it's 10 minutes a day, four times a week and just like committing to that level and then it grows from there. But establishing your life around your healthy habits is really important because you have to understand, um, like my gym teacher in high school, I said, if you don't have health, you can't do any of the other subjects. Like you can't do anything else because if you're not healthy, um, you're not able to do anything else. I mean, you won't be able to work. You won't be able to take care of people. So you have to prioritize your physical health. Um, And that's going to look different for everyone. So some people that might be training for a marathon other people might say, whoa, train for a marathon is definitely way more time consuming than I need to stay physically healthy. And some people, they prefer shorter distance to help keep them motivated. So whatever that is to you, um, just understanding that it it's important to make the time for it. And sometimes I even get that way where I'm like, this is too stressful. Running's too stressful. And I'm like, is it really too stressful or is there something else that's stressing me out? And I think that's always the question that we have to go back to is figuring out why are we stressed? Because it shouldn't be running that's making you stressed. And I think there were periods of time in my life where I thought running was stressing me out. But in reality, it was like my own pressure that I was putting on myself to perform at certain levels or to do certain things. So just removing that pressure and remembering kind of why you started and having um, a good foundation of understanding why you're doing what you're doing um can really help a long way um so jason do you have any words to say about finding the motivation and, and making sure that running doesn't become an added stressor in your life
1: yeah i mean i i also listen to a lot of podcasts about running and it always you know so many of them have that same message of you know you're doing something wrong if running becomes the reason you're stressed so it should always be an outlet for you um I think we all, for the most part, I mean, I'll speak for a lot of us, I'm sure, but I feel better about myself when I am training. And it doesn't need to be like I'm training uh, for like a marathon or I'm as fit as I've been. But as long as I'm running consistently, I I think I feel better about myself um, physically. uh, Mentally, I feel like I'm able to just have clear thoughts. And um, I, you know, I think if we're not getting the time, if we're not spending time running, then there's always that guilt, right? Like, oh, I should be signed up for a race or I should be getting some runs in. Um, And then we start to maybe notice that other areas of our life become less important because we're not, we're not doing the little things like that we were doing while we were running, like making sure our nutrition is on and maybe some stretching and maybe getting extra sleep. So it's kind of like a trickle effect where if we're not running, I just feel like we become less healthy as a person as a whole. So I think that it's always important to just make it a priority. Even if it's 30 minutes, three days a week, it's better better than nothing.
0: Right, yeah, those are some really good points. I know some people really struggle with keeping their fitness a priority and keeping their health in check. And I do think it's really important to make sure running doesn't become a stressor. I know in kind of the world that we're living in now with like Strava and a lot of people post like their runs on Instagram or Facebook or you know, sometimes your coworkers ask you like, what marathon are you training for? Or have you ever run a marathon? There can be a lot of like outside pressure to perform or like pressure, like social pressure, whatever it is, fear of missing out. Like you want to do all the races that everyone's doing. Um, but I think just stripping that down and making sure running just stays something that you're doing for yourself and for your own, for your own reasons and not allowing the stress of what other people are thinking or doing. To sway you in any ways because I think that that can oftentimes be a cause of stress for people. So making sure running can always be that stress reliever for you is really important and I think that just kind of concludes a lot of what we talked about. Um, So making sure that we're balancing training with our lives is important but also remembering that running is intended to be an activity that relieves stress and so keeping that kind of top of mind and how can we frame up a life where running is a stress reliever um, but then also balancing all of our stress variables within our training cycle like the long runs workouts and weekly mileage and making sure that we're training Uh, for ourselves and the individuals that we are understanding our strengths and weaknesses and making sure we're using that progressive overload approach. So this kind of concludes our podcast. And if anyone has any questions about these topics or their life situation specifically, you can fill out our form on our website, www.runforprs.co. And you can chat with one of us today. You can even get started on a free seven day trials where we will utilize these principles of the stress variables within your own training and make a training plan specific for you for a week. You can try it out for free um, and then get to kind of know one of your coaches. And if you decide you want to work with us, um, that's definitely an availability also. So until next time, thanks for tuning in.